and welcome to Women Developing Brilliance. I'm your host, Casey Rossi. It's my great pleasure to present interesting stories of creative women sharing their message and lighting up the world with their presence and offerings. Get ready to be inspired. You can learn more about creating a business that you love by visiting kcrossi.com. Enjoy! My guest today is Finka Yerkovic. She is the best-selling author of Sell from Love. We dig into a lot of juicy topics, including the power of authentic leadership, communicating what makes us different, digging into growth opportunities, and so much more. Stick around, stay tuned, and definitely listen to the end because she shares the top three tips to sell from love. Enjoy the episode. Finka, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, Casey, I am super excited to have this conversation with you. Um, I think we have a lot in common, so this is going to be really fun. <laughs> we do. We do, actually. I was reviewing everything, and I was like, man, I think we're cut from the same cloth. So we are definitely soul sisters. I know we're going to have just a lot of fun. I'm really interested to hear your philosophies right off the bat in regard to authentic leadership. What does it mean to you? What does it look like? How do you live it full out? Give us all the deets. I love that we're starting there. Uh, One of my core beliefs is that in order to be in business, in order to lead, in order to have a full life, we have to show up with authentic integrity. And when you look at our current environment with everything that we've gone through over the last 12 to 14 months and all the economic uncertainty, like today more than ever, we need to show up as authentic as possible because even our clients, they're becoming more conservative as to who are they going to invest in, who are they going to buy from, and they're being more conscientious of their decisions because you know, of all the uncertainty. And so I think even from as a cornerstone, from a business owner, it becomes even more critical to figure out who you are and how do you bring more of that into your business and your life. Now, I didn't come by it easily. So I had to stumble (laughs) and fall. I'm going to say a number of times. And I believe that it's funny. I think some of us have core themes in our life. My core theme is Finca, you're here to learn how to be yourself. <laughs> and so I'm right. And so I'm constantly being challenged to show up with authentic integrity. And so whether it's, you know, authentic integrity about your purpose and your mission in life, or is it about your values and how you choose to live? Uh, or is it how your brilliance, like your podcast is called women developing brilliance. So as women, how do we own our brilliance and use that to show up with authentic integrity? And so, you know, I can give you a couple of lessons in my journey, but I'll let you kind of go. Yeah. Awesome. No, I love it. I'd love to pause there because I think it's so very important. So if we have listeners are like, think of that, that sounds amazing. I want that. I want to know how to also detect that. So if someone's thinking like, what are the tangible ways that I can lead more authentically, especially because of the turbulence and the global unrest and maybe even some, you know, real personal challenges, like you mentioned over the last year, year and a half, um, what if they have become disconnected from their identity? 
What are a few tips where they could come back into alignment so they can shine and lead authentically? Yeah. Amazing question. And I think, you know, we can talk very ethereal about some of these topics about authenticity and purpose and how do you show up that way and the importance of it. But when it comes to how do you practice that and how do you bring it to life? One of the most powerful ways that I have found that we do this is by finding our words. I think Emily Dickinson said something to the lines of, and I might, I might not give the quote justice. There is nothing more powerful than the word. Mm. And I solely believe that because when we find our words, meaning when we find the words that describe what makes us different, when we find the words that describe what makes us brilliant, when we tap into the essence of who we are to understand those qualities that They might be unique, they might be different, but to really realize that they're here to serve a purpose, not your ego, not our self-centric narcissism. It's not there. And especially as women, we, we don't like to talk about ourselves. We don't like to, you know, shine brightly because it feels so egocentric centric. And what I teach, and again, you know, women developing brilliance so resonant because one of my programs is called your brilliant difference. And so what we teach is how do you take what makes you brilliant and really understand that it's here to add value and make a difference. So it's not just for you. It's mm-hmm. for someone specific. And so I know you help business owners figure out, you know, how do they help their clients? And so that's basically what you're doing. What's your gift? How do you articulate it in words that you can confidently articulate? So that's the practical, tangible way of doing this work. And then realizing it's not about ourselves. It's about when you shine brightly, You actually allow other people to find you because they have a problem that they're experiencing that you can help them with. And that's what you're really doing. And it's in that spirit of service that we actually show up. A hundred percent. And you're also inspiring them to do the same. And I think like you mentioned as women, sometimes we need permission in order to kind of crush our own self-imposed glass ceiling and be like, Hey, If she can do it, I can do it. So I love that positive ripple effect. I'm really curious because I'm also a fan of communication and um, expressing our message. And I'm wondering, do you find that with your clients that it is a powerful personal and spiritual development exercise to write their own copy? Or do you find that it's possibly not in their zone of genius and they should um, job it out to a professional copywriter? Oh, I love that question. I would say, so my take on writing your copy or writing your value proposition and what you bring to the table, it starts with you doing the first draft. And so there is a place where you need to actually sit down and do the hard, heavy lifting of crafting these words. They might not be the final words that get put on your website or on your bio page or what you're going to put on your event right when you, you know, go out there and you sell your event or your, your product. But what you need to do is you actually need to be the person that is developing a relationship with the words that you're going to use to describe who you are and how you help people and what results you get them. Again, then we kind of can give it to a copywriter, say, hey, can you finesse them? Can you make them more... Um, Uh, you know, amiable that people are going to resonate with them and get them to do that work if you're not in the expertise of copywriting. But what I believe is (laughs) 
there, I, I love words and I love writing. And so I have a little bit, I'm going to say, I love it. And I loathe it. <laughs> I love it because I think it gives us a great way to self-express, especially as women, we are seeking to self-actualize ourselves. And so there is nothing more rewarding when I can sit down and write, whether it's a short post on LinkedIn or a 500 word blog post or a 20 minute podcast interview, that exercise of self-expression is so empowering. If I do nothing else in the day and I've only done that, oh, I feel fulfilled. I love that. I think that's the hats to be underscored. I think that the creative expression and developing your own content is an opportunity for growth. And when we continue to do that, like day after day, um, I think it, it just it makes us better people, not just like better communicators or better business women. So I really like that. And I feel like a lot of our listeners, you know, I think can resonate with the fact of like, um, it's easy to just be like, nope, let me pass this along. But the heavy lifting, the hard work, the refinement that comes about, the aha moments that unless you are just you and your white pad of paper and your pen are going to dig in. Like you don't want to not take advantage of those opportunities. So I love that tandem approach. Uh, I know that you are a professional writer. First off, congratulations on your best-selling book. I'm really excited. I saw that it hit the number one hot new release and bestseller on Amazon, um, Sell From Love. So first off, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And secondly, I would love to hear about what was one of your biggest stumbling blocks when it came to writing your message and get it formulated in a beautiful, nice and tidy box with a bow? Yeah, <laughs> I think the the biggest obstacle was getting started. And so I struggle with, you know, there's a fine line between quality and excellence and perfectionism. And so I kind I teeter on that, that if it's not perfect, um, it's not good enough. And so this has been an, a light, again, you know, being myself is one left lesson theme that I continue to learn and being myself, the less than perfect self is the other lesson that I continue to learn. Mm. And so it was just this notion of getting started. And once I allowed myself to imperfectly write, meaning uh, not need to edit while I was writing, just throw it all out there that allowed the process of expressing and figuring out what my message was. And so what I happened for me was I knew I was writing a book about selling. I knew the core message is message and the tenets of the book, but I didn't know what it would look like and the title and what were all the pieces that were going to be put in it. And so what was important, I literally did this uh, Anne Lamont, who's uh, you know a, a famous writer and wrote a beautiful book, Bird by Bird, and many beautiful books. I've got one of her new releases, um, Dusk Dawn. I can't remember the rest of the title, but she talks about the first shitty draft we have to write, like the first crappy draft. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say there is a draft that I had to actually write first before the first shitty draft came, and that was everything but the kitchen sink draft. And that was just this dump of all of my ideas and I couldn't do it by myself. So I hired a book coach to help me through the writing. And if anyone is listening and you're thinking of writing a book and you need a book coach, Jennifer Loudon, um, best-selling author, she wrote the series on uh, the Comfort Women for Book Souls uh, book, as well as her recent uh, Why Bother book. She helped me through this whole process. Nice. 
It was, and so again, not going it alone. Like when we're endeavoring on such a big project, like I've never written a book before. And then you got all that imposter crap happening. Like who am I to write a book? I remember five years ago, I wouldn't speak the word out loud to anybody. Even to myself, I'd be like, right, I want to write a book. But the fathom that I'd actually tell somebody aloud that because of that sort of the notion of who do you think you are to write a book? And I write a book on sales. What makes you equipped to write? All that garbage. Mm -hmm. But I had to catch up to, it's almost like, each of us have these ideas of potential and possibility in our head and in our heart. And the version of me that's not yet there had to catch up to that part. And so there was a part of me that knew I could write a book, but there was my present self, you know, that five years ago version that wasn't yet ready to accept that I could write a book. And I had to literally prime myself to catch up to the idea that I could be a writer and that I could have a published book. And, and so, you know, finally, five years later, I caught up to myself and I put pen to paper and I wrote and having a mentor go alongside me on a journey that I've never done before was the other piece of the puzzle that I needed to do to continue to move forward. Absolutely. I love that you knew and that you were brave enough to ask for support and utilize a professional who had already achieved what you wanted. So important. I'm really curious in that five-year developmental stage where you were catching up with yourself and giving yourself permission, getting ready to have that platform and that voice, was there one significant turning point that increased your capacity for readiness? Yes. (laughs) So uh, the year prior to sitting down and writing I had experienced an like an incredible year of um, success, I will say, meaning I had, was on the speaking circuit. I had 38 events that I went to speak, you know, wow. in, in North America, across Canada, US, in Europe. I, I was in Dublin. I was in Amsterdam. And it was an amazing year. At the same time, I hired, this is going to go on, on, on on the people that we surround ourselves. I I was also in this environment of coaches and a tribe that were all looking to be more, have more, do more. And I think we all got caught up on this hamster wheel of not enoughness, meaning I got to say yes to that. I got to say yes to that. And I literally started that year with a year of yes. I got to say yes to everything, whatever comes my way, because everyone else is doing it. And, and I really also wanted to be open to, you know, saying, I'm going to step into my, out of my comfort zone more. I want to say yes to opportunity. At the end, you know, December 10th came, I was, you know, 220 miles an hour I was running that year. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to be awesome. I'm going to have three weeks of vacation with my family. I had an event in Palm Springs that I was doing in early January. I'm going to be ready for that. But I hit a wall because when you stop your adrenals Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) and you know what else happened? Like a couple, like you can see now reflecting back, I, I was actually, I knew everything that was happening in the moment. Even the months, like that, that, those fall months, I stopped meditating. I stopped journaling. I didn't have time to run anymore. So all of my self-care and spiritual practices that helped me get to saying yes and to get on stage, I started saying I didn't have time for. So I had nowhere the energy to go. So all that energy was stuck inside me mm. that I needed to process, but I never made time for. And then you have all this energy stuck inside you. You're running 220 miles an hour. December 10th hits and I hit a ball. I hit a wall. And so then I went instead of excitement and um, exhilaration of spending the holidays with my family, I was exhausted and burnt out. Did you ever just wish there was a group of high vibe women entrepreneurs that you could hang out with? 
a place where you could share your wins, get a biz question asked, and be around people that just get you. Well, there is my friend. It's my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group. I created a place on the web where like minds and open hearts could continue the conversations that we start here on the podcast. Fulfill your desire to develop friendships with women from around the globe. Women who are on the solopreneur journey, just like you. Now more than ever, we are craving authentic connections. Believe me, your voice matters, your work matters, and having the support of a close-knit community can make all the difference in the world. So head over to Facebook and go to facebook.com slash groups slash Women Developing Brilliance and request to join my private Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, the gathering place for heart-centered female entrepreneurs looking to create an impact, increase their income, and connect deeply with themselves and others in the process. I can't wait to welcome you in my Women Developing Brilliance Facebook group, where you'll be encouraged to introduce yourself, ask a question, and meet other ambitious lightworkers just like you. Again, it's facebook.com slash groups slash women developing brilliance. I'll catch you there. And so then I started January with the year of no. <laughs> Perfect. Lesson learned, right? I just said, no, I'm saying whole no to everything. Whole 180. I literally didn't work for the first three months. I had to go do that event in Palm Springs. So I went and did that. And then for three months, I did not take another client. I did not post on social media. I literally just took time to take care of myself. I took my first vacation by myself. I flew myself for seven days out to Sedona to nice. have a, you know, spiritual soul, you know, finca reconnection moment. Beautiful. Um, and it was, it was what I needed. And, and then it just, that time off, I think we, especially when we're living in this really tornado vortex environment, we don't give ourselves time to think. Mm -hmm. And that was the gift that I, that was the gift of burnout that I actually had a moment to just stop everything to reflect and reassess what's most important to me. And that's when I made the decision to hire Jennifer to write the book and get this manuscript done. And that's what I spent the rest of the following year. It was just, I think sometimes not everyone has to do this. I, I don't know, maybe it's me <laughs> that I need to like hit rock bottom in order to wake up. I do know that that is, uh, you know, it is an MO of human behavior that we need to hit rock bottom. It has to get bad enough that changing doesn't feel like such a bad option anymore. <laughs> so, we need to get there. I can very much relate to that. I also have experienced burnout. And I think it's really common for high achieving women where it is that go, go, go. There is um, kind of a social norm and an expectation of what success looks like. And on the one hand, it's really exciting to surround yourself with other ambitious entrepreneurs I think there's a lot of power and collective momentum when you can be around people that are really focused on optimizing and and even self-actualizing. And the flip side is the fear of missing out, the comparison side of things, and the not giving yourself permission to define what balance and integration means to you. So I'm really curious, Finca, like what are some of the tips that you currently do now? Because, you know, as a successful entrepreneur with a best-selling book and all the things as you continue to grow and rise, um, what do you do that that keeps yourself in balanced, integrated, fluid, and joyful? So 
I'm going to, a couple of things I'm going to talk to you, but I, I want to just address that place of how the environment we put ourselves around. And um, I think having now, you know, I know you have the soul print method. I think when we marry our business with our soul, that helps us stay in alignment. Absolutely. And so when I, that year, there was no soul, there was no spirit in my work. It was just work, work, work. Let's just get going. Let's put ourselves out there. And so, and again, it's super valuable. And I almost think that there's this marriage of the masculine version of ourselves and the feminine version of ourselves. And when I think about the work that you do, I can see how it can beautifully encapsulate. We got to still go out there. We got to show up in our business. We got to still do the work but we've got to embrace it and it has to come from the intention of our soul and our spirit and what it wants for us. hundred percent. Right. And so when we approach it that way, all of a sudden how we show up is different. And so I think that is a key to fueling, making sure when we're showing up, how are we showing up in that place that it's not so much balance because we will be out of balance at times, but how do we continue to show up? How is our spirit being aligned to the work that we're doing and that energy? And that's super important. So one of the things I had to do uh, because, and I think I had like back in 19, I don't know, 1992, 95, I remember sitting watching a Dr. Phil episode of, <laughs> so this is like a long time ago, but it was such a simple concept of where, you know, people are trying to lose weight and he opens kitchen cupboards and he says, well, it's hard to lose weight when you've got chips and cookies and chocolate in the cupboards, your environment is going to inform how you show up and how healthy you're going to be. Because if your cupboard is filled with, you know, nuts and healthy snacks and your fruits and vegetables in the fridge, then all of a sudden you have a better shot of, you know, being healthy. Absolutely. And so, so back in that year, so I'm going to go back to that 2018. So I'm going to say, how do we, when you know, there are certain things that are going to throw you out of sync mm -hmm. or out of alignment, how do you create an environmental structure that makes sure that keeps you honest and that keeps you in integrity? Exactly. There's so much power in being set up for success. That's and then right. you, you exercise your willpower in a proactive way, not a reactive way. So you're speaking my language. Continue. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So back in 2015, so I'm born and bred a city girl, but in 2015, my husband and I and our daughter, who at the time was seven, uh, we decided to sell the city life and we wanted to live a little bit differently. And we wanted to be closer to nature. We wanted to grow our own food have a little garden and, you know, just live more outdoorsy. And so we moved three hours Northwest of Toronto and we live on 85 acres. Awesome. And so it was a complete overhaul in our lifestyle. Now, since then, not in our, our dream or our paradigm, and I'll get to the whole point of how do you create an environment? This was part of the environmental structure I needed to create. I needed to get out of the hustle and bustle of that city life and be more connected to outdoors and nature. As a result, I also, you know, um, my daughter started riding horses and I'd sit in my office and I'm sitting in my office right now, but I'd look out the window and I'd look at our field and I'm like, oh, it'd be so amazing if we had horses here. So she didn't have, she can just like hop on a horse in our yard and go riding. But the way I was living on a plane two to three times a month, it wasn't a, it didn't seem possible. 
until I made it possible. And in that same year, so that same year, I knew I was kind of in that burnout. I knew I was living the life I did not want to live. I wasn't in integrity for the family and the values and the nature-based lifestyle that I wanted to live. Mm -hmm. Plus I was on a plane all the time, like not so good for the environment. And so I felt like I was living this contradiction. And so the way I had to, what I did was, you know, my husband and I would kind of like, we went horse shopping and we bought two horses. How fun. And so literally, we literally brought two horses. My husband built a barn, a paddock, fencing, and that structure forced me because I'm the horse person with my daughter, t- helping her with her events, getting her on her horse, being there while she's on riding, taking her to lessons. That structure grounded me to make sure I don't say yes to everything. And that my environment forces me to get outside and do the things I actually said I wanted to do when I moved up here. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And and I feel like, you know, one, to be aware and recognize, wait a second, something's off. I'm not feeling the way that I want to feel. And then being brave enough to like put the hard work into place, right? Those aren't easy things like maintaining a horse and a farm and all of that. I mean, I, I really commend you for doing that. It's, 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 yeah, it's really exciting that, that you have that, that element. I know that you have a lavender field. I was really excited yeah. when I saw that. And um, <laughs> in your information, we have tons of aromatherapists who listen to the podcast. Yay. So talk to me a little bit about what are your favorite essential oil blends? Mm, so my one and only favorite essential oil brand is lavender. I, so if I can recommend anything, so I use lavender. So I have my, oh, what's that thing called that mists um, aromatherapy, my diffuser. That's it. So I don't even know. So I've got that going all day. I, we create this, um, we call it the calm serum and it is lavender hydrosol mist. And literally mm. I just sprayed myself. I spray this on myself throughout the day. It is like the thing that keeps me present. So I spray, I inhale beautiful lavender smell. And it's, it's just this grounding all of a sudden, you know, you take a full breath of air, which we're like, you know, you're constantly kind of like up here because we're so busy and anxious and trying to get stuff done, but it forces me to take a breath. And there's something calming obviously about lavender And then the other practice that I do is I will, you know, put a drop or two of lavender in my palms. And so before a a big event or a client or a speaking event or anything that where you kind of feel like I'm getting out my outside of my comfort zone, even if you're just getting on the phone, going to ask a client to work with you or do a discovery call. I literally put two drops in. I kind of, you know, do this and I just do a really big inhale and then I'll run it through my hair. And And then it, I carry it with me all day. And there's just something about lavender that, and I'm biased because we grow it and we blend it and we grow it and we make essential oil here, but it has been a practice for me on how do you stay grounded, anchored, and just come back from all the frenetic energy that we can find ourselves caught in, caught up in. And I'll say again, especially as ambitious, you know, type A driven women, wanting to care and serve so many people. It's a mini practice that I love doing for me throughout the day. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I love that you have this relationship with lavender. It's, it feels very much a part of your brand identity. And, and I think that's really beautiful that you embody a lot of those qualities that the essential oil has in its own right. Like we always, you know, like begets like, so I love that you're gravitating to that. 
Um, I feel like I can talk to you for ages, but I absolutely know (laughs) that we need, yeah, for sure. We need to extract some of your wisdom when it comes to selling from the heart, being heart centric. And I would love for you to share the top three tips that you could provide the listeners of how to sell with soul. Yeah. So I wrote a book called sell from love. And the whole notion of the book is based on these three principles. So number one, we need to love ourselves. So loving who you are, loving all of the goodness that you bring to the table, but also all the parts that you're not. Because when we can truly appreciate who we we really are, all of a sudden we don't start, we stop pretending to be someone we're not. We don't feel like we have to be a jack of all, or you can really start realizing, ah, this is my genius. This is my brilliance. This is where I'm going to excel. You then start really identifying, I need a team member to help me with this. I need someone to help me with this because you can't do it all or, and you should not do it all. And so the first, you know, pillar is love yourself. And that's that whole notion of authentic leadership and authentic integrity. Mm. The second piece is around loving your client. And this is a piece that, you know, I find that we do really easily. It's easy to love our client. Sometimes we love them so much that we stop loving ourselves. So we don't get paid for the work that we do. (laughs) So there's this, right. And so we got to be careful of that fine line. And that's why it's this, it's a balance between loving yourself and loving your client. You love them so much that you have the ability to put yourself in their shoes to understand what their problems are, what are their goals, what are their values, and what are their dreams. And then our job is to figure out how is the transaction we're selling, meaning is it a coaching program? Is it aromatherapy? Is it massage? Is it psychotherapy? That's kind of the the transaction. How does it deliver a transformation? So I know, you know, my lavender product That's the transaction is this product, but the transformation is peace of mind, connectedness, groundedness. That's the transformation. And so being able to really see what your clients are receiving from their point of view when they get to work with you. So love yourself, love your client. And the third piece is love your offer. And what I mean by that is loving what you're selling. Mm -hmm. And, And we really need to have, you know, spiritual alignment or attunement to the thing we're selling. And there will be some days where you're like, I don't love the thing that I'm selling, or I'm bored of the thing I'm selling. If it's the thing you have to sell in the meantime, you got to love the fact that it pays the bills and puts food on your table. And that's where you fall in love with the thing that you're selling until you find the actual thing that you're going to sell. That's going to, you're going to fall in love with. So what our job is, we may not always love what we're selling. I remember, you know, I've, um, you know, a professional banker, like I've spent 25 years in banking. I didn't love more mortgages and mutual funds or investment plans. What I loved was what they did for my clients. Mm -hmm. That's what I loved. And that's the extension of the offer that we have to realize. I loved helping people. I loved, I loved numbers. Um, I loved the business math of things, but I didn't always love the products, but you find a way to love what you're selling. And so if you want to, you know, have more confidence, uh, attract clients with ease and make it easy on yourself to sell the stuff that you're selling and show up in that, figure out how to love yourself more, figure out how to love your client and then figure out how to love what you, what you're selling. And when you have all three of those, it is so easy to put a post on LinkedIn or an Instagram to say, Hey, this is who I am. This is who I help. And this is what I can do for you. That's brilliant. I love it. Not to overuse the word love, but I absolutely love it. And I especially um, really 
gravitate towards the self-love piece is pillar one, because this sounds like an extremely powerful trifecta of really zoning in and being mindful of love. But unless we can exercise that self-compassion, like you said, we can love our clients to the point where that empathy is actually taking us away from balance, self-love and integration. So I feel like even with authentic leadership, we have to practice self-leadership first. And again, with the, to love our client, we have got to lean into loving ourselves first. So I love that that's pillar one. I can't wait to get my hands on your book. I'm so excited, very much in alignment with your message. So if you wanted to leave our listeners with some bright light wisdom, what would it be? It would be confidence is not something we have. It's something we develop. Mm. And so we're not always going to be confident to put ourselves out there. We're not always going to be confident in our strengths and our value and our brilliance that we have to offer. But what's the micro step that you could do to move forward to developing that confidence and, and realizing that we're always a work in progress, no matter where we are on that you know, if you look at the ladder of success or the lattice, um, whichever, you know, kind of system you follow, um, all of us are struggling with this and no one, no one's got it. What we got to get is the fact that confidence is not something we have. It's something we develop and let's just make a commitment to falling in love with who we are. And that's how we'll get more confidence. Beautiful. Yeah, that's perfect. It truly is progress over perfection. It's just being mindful. It's showing up for ourselves. Uh, and I think too, like really underscoring that it's not that someone else magically has had it without the work. It's literally doing the work, committing to the process and just keep showing up on that journey. So I love that. How can people take a step closer to you and your work? Oh, thank you for that, Casey. And um, so I also have Self From Love, the Self From Love podcast. So you can listen into the Self From Love podcast or you can uh, check us out at selffromlove.com. Uh, we've got a community. There's a Self From Love test. So if you want to figure out, are you selling from love or are you selling from fear? Um, we can let you know as to what your opportunity is. Thank you, Casey, yeah. uh, for having me here. I so appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. I'll make sure to put the links in the show notes. I'm looking forward to just kind of spreading this message. I think it's so very important. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for shining brightly. And until we connect again, my friend, breathe joy. Yes, thank you, Casey. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on women developing brilliance. If so, head on over to Apple iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And... I'd be grateful if you could leave a review or rating so more people can benefit from these inspirational stories about the solopreneur journey. Thank you.